What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. Hello, everyone. We have Katie Fitzgerald on today's episode. I'm so excited to get to know a little bit more about her. You guys, she is the creator of Hello Eden, which you have actually heard about Hello Eden on our podcast. You guys, Katie has had four rounds of IVF and she has suffered five miscarriages, but she has some happy news. She had some twin boys. I believe it was, was it last summer, Katie? Yep. They're 10 months old. Oh my gosh. And you're, you're a clinical nutrition or you have a clinical nutrition master's from NYU. And that's kind of like how you got into the whole um, creating Hello Eden, which is a nutritional supplement designed for women who are um, trying to support a regular cycle. So Katie, I'm just going to toss it at you. I like to say, like, just kind of give us a little bit of your street cred. That's what I call it on this podcast. And let us know a little bit about your journey and then how you got started with Hello Eden. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Um, so, um, from start to finish, it was about a five year journey of trying to conceive. Um, my husband and I, uh, got married in 2011 and we gave it about a year of marital bliss before we decided to try to start expanding our family. And I had had, um, the advice given to me um, because of a previous health concern, I had ulcerative colitis, a pretty severe form of ulcerative colitis. I had to have a colectomy, which is the removal of my colon, um, when I was, uh, 22. And the advice that I was given was that, you know, um, many women go on to have plenty of healthy pregnancies, um, but you may need to inter, you may need some intervention a little bit earlier than the average gal. So we gave it, um, six months of traditional attempting to trying to conceive and, and we entered into fertility treatments. Um, at that time I was, uh, 30, I think I just about turned 30 and I had my boys this past summer, um, a month before my 37th birthday. So just lots of ups and downs and losses and questions and uh, frustration um, in between. Um, but I learned so much in the process about myself, about what was important to me, um, what I was and was not willing to do, um, my personal limits. Um, and women are pretty pretty badass. I mean, to do all of the things that those of us in this community need to do to, to have a child. I mean, I don't, um, I don't know where it comes from, but it's a really powerful force. So I started at one clinic, um, that was recommended to me by my, uh, by a couple of friends. And, um, I entered into two rounds of IVF 
um, the first round um, produced tons of eggs um, and only a couple of embryos. Um, and I didn't know enough about this situation at the time, but I had I developed OHSS in that first round, um, which is uh, ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome. And that's something that you sort of sign away, um, your life away when, you do, when you're doing IVF. Um, and I was told repeatedly like, oh, it's very rare, it hardly ever happens, but it can be life-threatening. So that first round, I was in immense pain um, leading up to the, the first embryo transfer. Um, and I just, I mean, looking, I think I had such tunnel vision. I just wanted to push forward and push forward. And so we, even though I was distended and and like really uncomfortable and could barely really eat, uh, and I definitely couldn't sleep, we decided to go forward and, and do an embryo transfer. Um, and I, the good news and the bad news is that every embryo transfer that we attempted, I got pregnant. I've been pregnant so many times. Um, it's just that it, um, it failed. Um, I did the two week wait and, you know, my, my numbers were climbing, but they were still really low. And so it was like, I'm a little bit pregnant. I'm a little bit pregnant. And then, um, and then um, I, things started, started looking really well. And then, of course, I miscarried. Um, and then I had another transfer that same round with a, like a similar, similar result. Unfortunately, I got pregnant. Things looked, uh, things looked kind of marginal. Then they looked good. And then I miscarried. Um, but those those miscarri- miscarriages were um, early on enough um, that I was able to, you know, pass the miscarriages on my own. And, you know, it was horrible. But um, I think in, on some level, um, having it happen earlier in, in some ways is, is easier because... Um, when you're doing IVF, you know exactly where you are in the process, and we just were not very far down the road. But of course, it was really, really tough. And you know, my doctor had started to explain that you know um, things looked good, and we should move, we could keep trying. So, so we did. And then my second round of IVF, I developed really severe OHSS. And um, I had to be hospitalized for six days because I was so, uh, I looked, I looked about nine months pregnant after that embryo, after, uh, after um, that egg retrieval. And uh, my kidneys started to shut down because of all of the loculated fluid that had no way to escape and um, nothing nothing my body wanted to do could metabolize all of this water. So um, they were debating to put me in a medically induced coma. They were debating sending me home and letting it run its course. Um, but instead, so, someone finally said, you know, like, we have to, we have to relieve her. Um, and they took a giant needle and they stuck it in my abdomen and, and really painfully um, removed the 
fluid as much fluid as they could from a really giant syringe which was uh horrific and that required no anesthesia and i was awake for all of it um it was uh and then i needed some time to heal of course from that situation and we had produced a couple of of good looking embryos from that egg retrieval or as i was told they looked good and we moved forward when i was ready a couple months later to do a transfer and um that was um my third miscarriage um which was much further a little further along um where we had seen a heartbeat and then the heartbeat had gone away by the by the next appointment and so at the time i think my reproductive endocrinologist sort of threw up his hands and said this isn't normal I've, you know, I think we've done all we can do. Do we really want to put you in a position where you're you're continuing to lose these pregnancies? Um, I want to refer you to a specialist. So we took his advice as hard as a pill it was to swallow that. Took his advice and met with a specialist. Um, You know, his hunch was that because I had this autoimmune disease, ulcerative colitis, that that was contributing to my subsequent miscarriages, my multiple losses. And so we went to a this doctor and he took blood and ran all these tests. And you know, his conclusion was, you're never going to be able to carry a pregnancy to term. You have too many natural killer cells. Um, if you were my daughter, I would tell you to stop and um, use the embryos you have remaining and um, go down the road of surrogacy. Um, This guy was um, taught, he was known to be a genius. He had been, he was kind of like a Doogie Howser situation. He had gone to med school when he was like 18 or something and um, was pretty well regarded and had written many books about the subject. And so we took his advice as, as, as the best advice available for us in our situation. And we took our embryos and we entered into the process of uh, surrogacy. And to that, um, it, I, I didn't connect the dots at the time, but I was obviously overstimulated and so my em- my eggs and my embryos were going to be overstimulated. And ultimately, we did use a surrogate, and we transferred two embryos to uh, our surrogate, and she miscarried um, after being, like, a little bit pregnant, just like all of the other miscarriages. So I didn't – I didn't know – uh, how low I could possibly feel after the surrogate and I had lost those, those that attempted at, at pregnancy. And I thought it was going to be a slam dunk. Everyone said the problem was me. Everyone said that the problem was my immune system. Um, that, you know, I, the problem was, you know, compounded with, um, PCOS, which, you know, that specialist had also had diagnosed me with. And, and, you know, it was, it just seemed like all of this promise, all of these 
these options were taking me down uh, uh, the wrong path. And I just felt so hopeless. And it took me a really long time to know what to do. I felt just defective. I felt uh, really broken, really broken. I, in my, my quiet moments, I felt like a death machine. And it's a horrible thing to think about yourself. But when you have multiple losses and everyone's sort of saying like, well, you're the problem, it's your body, your body's rejecting the thing that you want the most. Um, that's the best way to sort of describe into words the emotional toll that it had taken. And I had to really scrape myself off the floor just to sort of function, just to go to work, just to go to school, um, just to get things done. Uh, it was a really, really dark, lonely, low place. And um, any miscarriage is is a loss and, and, and um, multiple miscarriages. There's just no vocabulary for it for other people um, who haven't experienced one or multiple and I think, you know, as a society we have, um, we're failing women um, by not having more of a dialogue about this. And every, with every round of IVF with that first clinic, it was like, well, you're pregnant, but don't tell anybody. Um, so was, we were always, we're, I was sort of set up to, to be left alone with my feelings and sort of set up to be left alone with all of this, all of this. Um, and I think, you know, we have a, a, not, a great com not a great vocabulary for loss in general as, as, as maybe Americans or whatever, but we, we definitely don't have a great conversation or vocabulary around this type of loss. And um, there's a lot of shame connected to it. And I certainly felt that from all angles. Um, and so I, at that point, I had found a, um, a therapist that specialized in infertility and child loss, and she uh, helped guide me um, out of that dark period. And it was at that time where I felt like um, I needed to sort of have a little distance between my mindset and myself, and I need... and. As a nutritionist, I knew that sometimes you need to do the physical thing first for everything, biological, emotional, um, uh, spiritual to sort of take its place. Um, so I, I needed, I started taking really good care of myself in, in every other physical way. Like I got really back into fitness and I really, uh, and I started, you know, um, I felt just kind of like, well, after all of that IVF and, and the miscarriages, like, you know, like my body had been partially pregnant a number of times. And so I, 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 I you know, walking around in, a, in this body felt, um, inflamed and, um, and just that like, you know, I, I was a bottomless pit all the time. I couldn't eat enough, um, and feel satisfied. I was, my sleep was awful. Um, I, I had inflammation. I had a, like a fatty tongue and, um, uh, my 
my skin had a different type of elasticity and my joints were achy and I just knew that I, I needed to, to heal. Um, and the good news is, and when I started to do that, I started to feel better, of course, physically, but then emotionally and mentally, I, I had more clarity and I had a, a better, I was better able to take care of myself emotionally and mentally because of, you know, the, the nutrition in place and the, you know, exercise in place and just sort of laying the groundwork to, you know, finding my way back to what the next step would be for us. Um, so with that, it's sort of the brainchild kind Hello Eden, my company, because I sort of, again, I could, I wasn't doing a great job of taking care of myself um, because I didn't really feel compelled to take that great care of myself because I didn't think very highly of myself. Um, so I had to think sort of uh third person like if I were my own nutritionist what would I what would I be recommending and so I put myself on a regimen of you know balanced diet and and uh, ultra hydration as well as I sat down to think about like what my ovaries needed uh nutritionally what my thyroid and penile gland hypothalamus need and what what are some things that help the adrenal glands to um, not be so hypersensitive and overreactive and now that I had the diagnosis of PCOS what were some things that I could do to help balance insulin and and um, keep everything in working order so I thought about all of all of these things and knew that since I was in just kind of a deficit and a stressed position that, you know, food alone was probably not going to help me as much as it might for someone that's just trying to do, you know, regular maintenance. So I put myself on a really hefty regimen of vitamins and minerals and plant extracts and adaptions and mushrooms. And I mean, uh, and myo and acetal. And I, it was just sort of like, this uh, crazy regimen that I was doing. And the good news is that it started working and I shed in my inflammation and I felt so much better and my moods were more stable, which was, you know, kind of a critical point um, from of care for me. And then, um, you know, my, uh, I was less bloated. My digestion was definitely more even keel. Um, my skin, um, was more clear and more most importantly my my cycles were really normal again after all kind of like having ups and downs and free falls but the bad news was um i was taking like a million supplements and you know some with water and you have to eat these with food and you can't eat those with food so i had like this time schedule of all these supplements and i was you know mixing potions was as it seemed in my kitchen um so you know there was an idea that rattled around in my head and where I kind of thought well if if I really was my own nutritionist and this is what I would recommend you know I'd probably fire myself because this is like unsustainable and so expensive and really annoying so um 
when I felt sort of back on my feet in a lot of different ways, like I mentioned, you know, physically, emotionally, spiritually, um, friends of ours had urged us uh, out of love to meet with their reproductive endocrinologist who they had been um, successful with twice over. Um, and, you know, they, they just sort of said, you know, he's very, you know, fat, you know, he's very, he, if he thinks you can't get pregnant, he's going to tell you right away, you, you know, don't worry, you know, he's not going to put you through anything. And he, he's very data driven. He's not going to spin you a story. Um, and he's the best of the best. And he not only is a reproductive endocrinologist, he's also a teacher. And so he's teaching the next generation of reproductive endocrinologists the best and the and the latest techniques. Um, so, you know, feeling sort of in in my best in my best place, and uh, and knowing that I didn't feel ready to give up on having children, um, we took that step forward. Um, with lead boots, <laughs> we took that, I took that step forward. Uh, I mean, it was really white knuckle. Like, what is he going to say? Um, you know, what if I get OHSS again? Um, everything. Um, and meeting with him was completely mind blowing because he basically said, well, it sounds like the, the protocol that was used previously just wasn't a good fit for you. And we can do something that um, doesn't overstimulate you. And the reason that you probably had all of these miscarriages was because you were overstimulated and the eggs weren't the best quality, but you have a lot of eggs. I have no reason to believe that they're not good quality. And if they're not, if they're not stimulated, then you'll have a better chance at making better quality embryos, which made so much sense. And then he also recommended to us that we that we do um much uh that we do extensive testing with our with our embryos which um at the previous clinic that that wasn't discussed as much that wasn't it was their policy that they didn't push for testing and i just took that as as best practice so um uh, our new doctor um, recommended that we do more extensive testing to help eliminate the uh, the chance, not the not a hundred percent, but uh, but reduce the chance um, of having another miscarriage, which was of course my biggest concern and my and my deepest fear. Um, and with that, um, we moved forward and we did two back-to-back -back rounds uh, of IVF, two back-to-back uh, -back egg retrievals. Um, I just wasn't ready to do another uh, transfer right away because um, I, was, I was just too scared. <laughs> um, so after the second, uh, the second round, we did a fresh embryo transfer of an untested embryo and I got pregnant. And um, I felt really pregnant. Um, my body was super pregnant. I had everything, like the sore breasts, the fatigue, the aversions to food. And I had graduated. Um, I had graduated from IVF. Um, they sent me, you know, they 
they sent me, you know, like keep in touch, you're pregnant, you know, we'll let you know, um, about the other embryos. And, uh, and, um, I had to, there was a, uh, a time gap between when I had graduated from IVF, um, and that last appointment, we had seen the heartbeat, everything looked amazing. Um, you know, it was plus, plus, pluses. My, my levels were really high and they stayed high and my, my hormones were doing really well. And then um, um, by the time I had got to that first OBGYN appointment, um, the ultrasound tech had, I mean, I've had so many ultrasounds at that point. I knew what I was looking at and I knew that what I was looking for. And in the dark of that room, she and I could both see that there was a baby, but there was no heartbeat anymore. And um, after being so hopeful and doing all that I could to sort of take that next step, I, I, um, I, I just broke into about a, a million pieces and, um, had to really take some time and grieve. And, um, after that miscarriage, I, my body, I guess I had been maybe like 12 or 12 to 14 weeks long at that point. And so I, um, I, you know, my body was pretty pregnant and I, I continued to have pregnancy symptoms for a long time, even after, even after my DNC. And we obviously couldn't move forward until, um, my cycles came back. But since my body was under the impression that we were all pregnant, um, I, my cycles weren't coming back. So I went back to this regiment that I had put myself on previously. And thankfully, uh, it only took eight weeks, but I was, I was back to normal and, 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 and things were on, things were stable again. Um, and we had in the meantime, while this was all happening, of course, we had our embryos tested and we had some really good ones to choose from, but of course we had always wanted to be really, um, conservative and considering that I had such a difficult time carrying one pregnancy past, you know, the first trimester, um, we weren't going to risk, uh, a multiple pregnancy loss. So after everything we had been through, we, you know, the doctor said, do you have a preference on gender? And I said, no. And he said, you know, like, um, he just, I just said, choose, you know, whoever looks the, the best, you know, your professional opinion, whatever looks, and I think I even joked, like, whoever looks the cutest, um, we'll, we'll go with that embryo. And with that, um, we transferred one embryo, um, and I was pregnant. Uh, I was super pregnant. Right away, I had all the pregnancy symptoms again, and um, what was crazy to me was that um, my levels were so high and I, uh, they had never been that high in any of the other pregnancies at that initial stage. And um, um, 
going into the, I had had some pain and a little bit of spotting um, about six weeks into the pregnancy. And I thought, okay, well, you know, like we've been down this road before, like, you know, I'm just going to mentally prepare. I know it's not going to work out. Um, I know that this is a miscarriage, so I'm just going to take care of myself with this, uh, keep my mind intact. Um, and as we prepared to go forward, um, and then the first, the first follow-up we had, um, with our endocrinologist our reproductive endocrinologist showed that, you know, that we were still pregnant and everything was okay. Um, and then we had a week waiting before our next appointment. And again, you know, I had felt kind of weird. I had felt kind of, um, like some cramping and some pains. And I, um, I, again, my mind went straight to, okay, well, this is a miscarriage. It's not working out. And then I noticed that my pants were a little bit loose and that I had lost a couple of pounds. And I thought, well, people don't lose weight when they're pregnant. Um, so, you know, this is definitely not a good sign and it's, it's going to be back to the drawing board for us. At least hopefully we have, um, we have more embryos and I, you know, I, is that paralyzed waiting during those periods are so paralyzing because there's not a whole lot you can do and that you don't definitively, I didn't definitively know a hundred percent that it was a miscarriage, but I, it didn't feel like it was going to work out. So it was a really treacherous tightrope to walk. And then we went into the next appointment and, you know, the doctor's looking, using the ultrasound and looking around and I, I thought I saw something and I thought, no, no, like that couldn't possibly be. And he's looking and looking and looking and he's not saying anything at all. And, um, and he, he's like, mm, mm-hmm, mm, mm-hmm, mm. um, and he said, okay, well, we have to have a talk. And I thought, of course, like I grabbed, you know, I grabbed my husband's hand and I probably practically broke it because I was squeezing it so hard. And he said, we have to have a little talk. And I thought, well, here we go. He's going to you know, give me some facts and figures and explain to us why it didn't work out this time. And, um, and instead he said, so here's your pregnancy. Here's your, the, uh, here's this, here's that. Um, and here's the heartbeat looks really good. And here, let's see if we can listen to it. And he flicks on the, the audio for the ultrasound and we hear a heartbeat. And I'd never heard a heartbeat that early on. It was this, I don't remember how early, but it was very early. And then, and then he said, okay, and that's great. And it looks great and everything is where it should be. And then he said, and then what I need to talk to you about is that over here is your other pregnancy. <laughs> and <laughs> it was at that point where I think my husband and I, our collective brain exploded. Um, we just, you know, he went on to conduct the ultrasound and show us, you know, all the different, all the, all, all, all what was what. 
and the heartbeat. And he turned on the audio again and we heard the other pregnancy's heartbeat and he could, you know, we were like, well, how did this happen? And, um, after everything, you know, we certainly weren't expecting this. And he said, well, you know, you're really healthy. You take care of yourself. You created an environment that was ripe for, um, a ripe environment to support twins you know twins don't happen if uh it's a natural selection that occurs in a in an optimal environment and you you know the embryo split you had they're they're um definitely identical (laughs) we only put in one and um of course we had genetic testing to confirm that down the road but um yeah that is uh, the last thing that we could have possibly expected. Um, and I guess unbeknownst to myself, like losing a little bit of weight immediately is, uh, is common in a twin pregnancy and women are more common to spot in a twin pregnancy. So all of these things that I absolutely knew were a miscarriage were symptoms of something that I never anticipated, a twin pregnancy. And I wound, I went forward to have a really, really normal really, really easy, albeit, you know, uncomfortable pregnancy. And my, my boys, um, were, um, 36 weeks when they were born, perfectly healthy. Um, no NICU, no NICU stay. We're only in the hospital for about a little over 48 hours. And now they're 10 months old and they're giant and they're crawling around and I still can't believe it. I look at them and I'm like, I have two babies. Like I had zero for so long and now I have two and, um, they're identical, but they're so different. And, um, you know, just going through all of this, you know, I don't, I don't know that I always had the best attitude. Um, I don't know that I, I, I had the best, I didn't, uh, I, I did a lot of beating myself up um um but what i do know is that you know i don't i didn't always have hope and i had i had a, an odd relationship with hope um and i didn't always rely on it and i definitely didn't put all my weight on it but what i did put all my weight on was just will and just putting one foot in front of the other, even if I had to close my eyes to do it. And, um, and with that, um, you know, brought us our boys. Um, I'm going to try to convince my husband to see if maybe we could try for another. Um, it's not, the conversation's not going very far. Um, <laughs> and um, sort of, in between that second, second, that last miscarriage and, um, my understanding that my, that I was pregnant with twin boys was that my, that, uh, this idea for a company was, was also born. So, um, I had sort of signed the paperwork with, with who had become a good friend of mine, Pete, my business partner to develop this supplement to, um, support reproductive health and hormone balance in an all-in-one comprehensive daily. And so 
you know, I was kind of pregnant with triplets in a way because I have, I had this pregnancy and now a business, which was probably the best possible distraction. Um, the best thing I could come up with to be totally distracted during the pregnancy. And we, um, the boys were born in June and Halloween and uh, launched officially in September. So, um, so far so good on all fronts. That is so cool. I love when women can kind of like take what they've been through and create something of it. And what's that quote? It's like, um, oh gosh, what is it? I can't think of it now. It's like, I love when somebody has been through the fire. Do you know what quote I'm talking about? And they come out carrying buckets for others or something no. like that. Um, <laughs> well, buckets of water for more others. To like, you know, if you got lemons, make lemonade. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh well that's so 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 cool so wait the your boys were born in june hello eden launched when september september yeah okay so we we were supposed to have a a meeting about um the the boys were about a month premature so pete and i were supposed to have a meeting about um inventory or something and uh because we were getting close to launch and um I called him and I said, Pete, I'm not going to be able to have this meeting because I'm going home to get my bag because I'm going to have babies today. And I, <laughs> I was like, I'm going to be done. Everything is fine. I'm a, I'm a leaf in his dream. Um, and he will tease me and remind me uh, every now and then, like, you are the weirdest person on the phone. And you like, <laughs> you, I felt like I was listening to a guided meditation and you were like I was afraid of you and I was just like it's gonna be okay it's all gonna be wonderful um (laughs) so yeah um were definitely concurrent (laughs) now where can somebody find more information about hello eden is like the website I know you guys have an instagram uh, yeah, so we we wanted to not only be, you know, a really good high quality product, but we want to be a, a good resource and a community for women. So we sell only on our website, which is www.helloeden.com. And along with a place to buy the product, there's really, really good information just about your health, your overall and endocrine, uh, endocrine system, adrenal system, really good blogs about low tox lifestyle and other resources just to help women get more of a, their hands around like what hormone health is and why it's important and why, whether you're trying to conceive or you're not, reproductive health is really important. Um, so we're also, we also put a lot of love and care and information, um, good, so solid information on our Instagram page, which is at say hello, Eden. Um, we also, you can also find us on Facebook, but everything on Instagram is also on Facebook. So you can find us at hello, Eden, uh, on, on Facebook as well. Awesome. And I'll go ahead and I'll link those in the description of this episode and you guys they've been so grateful to give us 15% off so use lamb fam 15 for 15% off your hello eden thank you so much katie for jumping on and sharing your journey and kind of how you're coming back and helping other people with it i just love it so much oh thank you shelly and you know uh something that i've wanted to do for a long time 
just personally uh, as well as professionally was try to do something to advocate for those of us um, that have had miscarriages um, because I just um, I worry I wish that I had more resources like this to to had to turn to while I was going through it so thank you for all that you do yes well I couldn't do it without all the ladies who are jumping on and sharing so I appreciate it and keep in touch we'll talk soon sounds great thank you so much Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Tag myself, tag my guest so that we can personally thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together.